Do you need anything? Are you comfortable? I'm good. I gave you this table so that you could put your laptop I on it. I guess so. But then it's not a laptop. Now is it, Cameron? <laughs> now it's sort of a leg top. Okay. Um, I think I'm good. Very this good. is fine. This is fine, says the dog. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Once again, we're back in that old womb, <laughs> the womb room. It's Think Outside the Box set. Um, I'm Maddie Hunt, I and I will have my revenge on Seattle. <laughs> and I am uh, Cameron DeWitt, and in, in utero, I hardly know her. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's part two of In Utero by Nirvana from 1993. 1,993. Wherein we talk about the rest of the album. The rest of the album. Tracks four and on. Tracks four and up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, I, I, do you have any general thoughts before we get into this? I should have because I was, I was gonna like, you know, research Courtney Love and like read articles uh, and all this like stuff. That. Um, the only thing I have is You're that too popular. I'm too popular. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have too much I'm such a social butterfly. Everyone wants to just hang out with me all the time and I have to like uh I don't even know what to do. Um I will say that I ended up on a um spin.com article um where they reprinted their cover story about in utero from 1993. They reprinted it at uh, in 2013. So they, um, I guess it was 10 years later, duh, or 20 years later, shit, 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 2013, it's 20 years after 1993, oops, well, um, and I was just scrolling through the article and, um, the main photo of Kay Cobain by themselves, uh, they're wearing a woman's cardigan. (laughs) Oh, wow, look at that. They're just sitting angsty and in a black and white photo and, uh, yes. Yeah. It buttons on the left. Oh, it certainly does. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, anyhow. Um, something that I've been thinking about a little bit, and this is maybe a little tangential, but uh, I've been uh, reading a Gender Trouble by Judith Butler. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Which has been um, pretty impenetrable. <laughs> um <laughs> Just like great word to use. Yeah, <laughs> basically, um, yeah, as Butler would intend it. Um, so I was talking to my bandmate Mark about this, and they were like saying, like, yeah, like philosophy, like academic philosophy, has this tradition of like needing to talk about and be in conversation with every single other bit of philosophy. <laughs> like in theory, like before it. So it's like, you know, it's a little hard to read cause I'm just like, are we, are, is this your idea or is this Lacan's idea? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a little hard to follow, but I'm like picking up like little ideas and bits and pieces that are interesting to me. And one thing that she keeps talking about, she keeps talking about this uh, theor- gender queer theorist named Vidic, 
um, and who I don't know how to search for because I don't know how their name is pronounced because I'm listening to it on audiobook. Oh. Um, I mean, you don't know how, how it's spelled. I don't know how it's spelled. Gotcha. Maybe V-I-D-I-G. Um, but um, she keeps talking about lesbianism as being a third gender. Mm. Or lesbians as being a third gender. Um, and a lot of what the book talks about, uh, or the text talks about, I think it's, it was written in, or released in 89? It was pretty early for a lot of this stuff, yeah. yeah. I think it was not long after the word transgender was starting to be um, used. In place of like, in place transsexual, like transsexual. Yeah. Like transvestite. Interesting. Yeah. So... Something she talks about a lot is... Just a heads up, by the way. She does... Or, sorry. They seem to... Do you use she or they pronouns, but prefer they, them pronouns? Oh, great. Do, do according to... Wiki, yes, according to Wikipedia. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm only familiar with, um, at this point, uh, early 90s mm, <laughs> Butler. Right, yeah. And not, you know, Which I think Butler. is pretty different, probably. I'm sure, yeah. Okay, so... Um, no, that fits. Uh... They, so they talk a lot about orientation and gender as being pretty inseparable things. Mm -hmm. um, and also they talk about gender as being a thing that is like, um, kind of has infinite possibilities. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and as I've been thinking about gender more lately, it's been kind of hard for me to ignore it mm. its interactions with sexuality and uh yeah i mean it always seemed kind of an artificial distinction to me in a certain sense because the whole idea of like a sexual orientation is predicated on being like in the direction of certain genders and right. not other ones potentially right and like even sexuality it's like sex the the other thing that the the text does is is it makes this case that sexuality is actually something that was kind of invented or a a biological sex that idea mm. is something that's invented after gender um as mm. opposed to most people assume that it's the other way around mm. and there's this whole like thing about like well is you know uh, what is the, you know, the pre-discursive? What is before the oh, law? You know? To me, that, that reeks for the primitive fallacy. Exactly. Well, I mean, Judith Butler is saying, like, fuck that. Yeah. And yeah. that is, like, actually not helpful. And, you know, he's kind of talking about how, like, the Enlightenment, you know, is this period of being like, oh, we have to, like, prove shit with science now. Now let's try to find a scientific way to, like... Um, Support uh, the support, gender binary. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Support all the cultural stuff mm -hmm. that we believe already about totally. race and about gender. Oh, and yeah. Mm -hmm. On and on and on. Um, anyway, the the text is a, is a lot about like the kind of like connection between um, gender and sexuality. And, you know, in our kind of like modern uh, discourse around... Um, the like ontology of you know like uh, look at you dropping vocabulary <laughs> words on us like uh, that Cameron of like of gender and and orientation as these sort of separate hi like hyper stratified like um, mm -hmm. like categories it's 
really interesting to, you know, actually have, like, hear someone say, like, no, these things are intrinsically connected. And then I've been, like, just, like, looking at the world a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I, like, saw this TikTok where someone said that, oh, here hmm. it is. This is a tangent. I love uh, that we're going from Judith Butler to TikTok. The most, like, dense academic theory <laughs> to think about. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this thing going around. I love that Kesha song, by the way. <laughs> I love that you're listening TikTok to it so much. on the clock. <laughs> yeah, and the party don't stop. Yeah, the TikTok app is just Wake that up in the song. morning feeling like, <laughs> P. Diddy, what up, girl? <laughs> Got my glasses on my face. It's time to hit this city. <laughs> When I leave, brush my teeth with a <laughs> bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave in the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicures on my toes, toes. But uh, what you're saying, <laughs> I yes. want you to sing the whole thing. You <laughs> sip more whiskey while you do it. Yeah. Um, there's this. Guys, run up our phone, phone. <laughs> there's this trend uh, on TikTok right now. It's um, these two cast members from. HBO's new spin-off on the Game of Thrones series. Oh, that's another one I've heard is quite bad. <laughs> Seems bad. But um, it's uh, a non-binary actor um, and a very femme presenting, um, probably cis woman. Um, and they're interviewing each other. And there's this little clip of it that's like an official clip from HBO where one of them says, what's your drink of choice? Um, and the other one goes, a Negroni. And then uh, the other one says, I was going to say the same thing. And then they say, uh, Spagliato with Prosecco in it. And basically like every, <laughs> every like bisexual and queer, like, on TikTok is responding and it's like, why is this the hottest thing I've ever seen? <laughs> and then now we're getting to the takes where like um, queer people of color are just like, why are we trusting drink choices to these like white British people? Mm. <laughs> like these, this is not a good drink. <laughs> like, why did you, cause, cause everyone went and tried the drink and they're like, this actually isn't that good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not a Negroni person. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never really liked, um, what is it? Is it the Campari's a Negroni, right? I've never, I'm I not, not so, a yeah. Campari person. Yeah. So anyway, some, but there is like a lovely kind of like sexual energy, mm. uh, a tantalizing energy in the thing. In, in, in the clip and then all of these like queers are like stitching it and being like that hmm. yeah. and anyway this trans femme person that I follow on TikTok uh, I think it's Addercop Addercop uh, hmm. I think it was her she says um, is that a Hobbit reference? I don't know is is that like a the spider? yeah he yeah. like is calling the spider like An species slurs basically <laughs> I forgot about that yeah you're right but Shit. it's Cobb I believe C-O-B Mm. Hmm. Maybe it's something else. Well, she says, if I had seen this when I was a teen, I would have cracked my egg. Oh. And I thought that was really interesting that she is talking about these two, um, this, like, lesbian interaction, essentially. Mm. Yeah. I, 
I wouldn't be surprised if this non-binary person is a person who identifies as a non-binary lesbian. Mm, yeah. um, mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that it was really interesting that this trans femme person said that would have helped me realize that I was trans mm -hmm. because because it would have helped me realize that I was a lesbian. Basically, she's saying like my identity would be clarified by watching the an exchange between two people as opposed to just this completely internal mm -hmm. experience of gender. Yeah. They're like, no, part of my gender is this lesbian energy. Yeah. Um, and I identify with this l sort of lesbian kind of the sapphic connection. Mm -hmm. um, and I would have realized that at the time that would have spurred on this process mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, like, oh, I'm a man. And I think that it's hot that these two women are attracted to each other. And, you know, I mean, yeah, totally. Like. My sexual orientation has not changed throughout my gender exploration, per se, because I've been like identifying as a pansexual for a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, lesbian sex hits a lot different, yeah. and um, yeah, it the sexuality like has changed so much, um, and that is an important part of gender, and like that's yeah, and the. Um, the specific like devaluing of that in trans misogyny is so awful and so harmful and has been so damaging to so many people because they get, you know, eggs get told their entire lives like, oh, you're just a, a weird, freaky, like pervert right. fetishist. You're an autogynophile. Right, you know? right. Um, as if A, that wasn't fine to like have a sexual fetish. Sure, That's sure. not hurting <laughs> yeah. anybody. Jesus Christ, come on. Yeah. Um, but also be like as if having any kind of sexual component to it automatically makes it invalid. Right. Because, right. you know, the definition of autogynophile, I think I've, I, I don't know if I've um, like just uh, made a, a reference to this on the podcast earlier, but if you look at the definition, definition of autogynophile, like 80 or 90% of cis women fit the definition of it. Sure. So it's like, yeah. Transparently um, transphobic. Yeah. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> um, shit, I was going to say something else too. Fuck. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's also been making me think about... Oh, sorry. I remember no, what I was going to say. You, please, please. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it also um, really... Uh, I think one of the foundational issues at play here... And I love that this has become a Judith Butler and Theory podcast. <laughs> this is so about Nirvana. Um, I was going to bring it around to Nirvana. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Next, it'll be about an hour or so. So strap in, ladies and gentlemen, and ladies and fadies and all kinds of folks. Um, um, right. I think a pretty foundational part of this is the, the troubling ways that we think and we construct any sort of category hmm. based on who you are is what you do. Yeah. And when people talk about like 
in the past, they didn't have idea, like, you, you can't say that people in the past were, like, gay. Because gay did not exist. It was not an identity at the right. time. Right. There's a certain truth to that. Because they were just people who liked to have sex with the same gender as them. Right. They, they didn't um, necessarily, like, say, that, that makes me a different type of person. I mean, right. type of person because of the things I do or want to do. It was, you know, colonization and criminalization and othering that sort of led to the idea of, like, these fixed, stable identities, right. in, in a historical sense, at least. I'm not, I, I don't want sure. to say that, like, invalid because of that, but um, at least in the way they've developed in the Western world, historically, it's t- been tied up in, like, the othering of colonization and, like, policing, basically. Um, yeah, so that's just what I was thinking about, like, yeah. Uh, and what you do being who you are has like huge bearing on like sexuality versus like gender. Right. So, yeah. Or who you do is who you are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What you are is what you do with who's been done to you. (laughs) I think is how that quote goes. It's, it's been interesting to think about Kay Cobain in the context Mm -hmm. of what is the, line between if there is one uh between sexuality and gender Mm -hmm. um orientation and gender and i feel like it's kind of clarifying to some of the statements that they make and some of the things that they talk about and sing about you know the like i wish that i would i kind of wish that i was gay Mm -hmm. you know kind of ideas yeah totally and it's like you you are, you are, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you are, just not the way you think. Yeah. It's like that famous comic that yeah. keeps getting <laughs> passed around of like, Hey, it's me from the, it's uh, you know, it's, it's me from the, fu- it, sorry. It's I'm you from the future. And the, the younger person's like, we'll prove it. And the older person's like, well, it turns out you're gay. And they're like, but I like girls. And they're like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they make the finger guns. Cause it's a girl. And the, you know, the yeah. older person's a girl. <laughs> the person looks like a boy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, necessarily know if I have any other examples, but I've been thinking a lot about like the, the song Heart Shaped Box and, um, Kay's specific attraction to women mm-hmm. and to the feminine, um, and thinking about that as something that is tied to gender more. Um, because, it, yeah, it it doesn't feel like a cis man who is attracted to women. No, it um, really doesn't. It doesn't necessarily feel exactly like a straightforward sapphic connection either because it is so tortured. Yeah. And so, like... Also wrapped up with... Presumably a lot of like gender envy and like wishing I could be you yeah. while wishing to have sex with you also. Yeah, there's a kind of ugliness in it. Mm-hmm. Um and that's not a judgment as much as a like aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more it's more just that K is so yeah, it's just so tortured and is the things that they have to say about love and connection are never simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, so this is gonna be a three-parter, right? On either because <laughs> we're gonna talk about one song tonight and yeah. the rest of them. <laughs> no, we don't have to talk about all the songs tonight. Um, it's just been something I've been thinking about, uh, at, you know, because of a uh, little old Butler, a little mm. Butler, a little Butler as a treat, uh, and uh, yeah, it's something I I think might come in handy for looking at the rest of these songs. Yeah. With that in mind, do you want to talk about Rape Me? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Speaking Rape Me. Of what you do. Um, oh boy. Rape me, my friend. Rape me. Rape me. gonna take a sound sample of the intro to this song because it is seems pretty transparently um referencing smells like teen spirit oh so i'm gonna do it live okay great yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different chords, uh, I, but it's the same rhythm, mm-hmm. exact same rhythm. Yeah, and kind of tone. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, aren't there like similarities in some like? It's not the exact same chords, but I think the only chord that's the same is that it has a one chord. I don't okay. think it's necessarily in the same key. I don't have perfect pitch, but so this what you just played me is duh. There's one, flat three, minor five, minor five, flat seven. Okay. Um, as opposed to one, four, uh, flat third. It goes to, it goes from F to a B flat. Is that right? Ba da da, da 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 da, ba 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 da ba ba. You're right. Two of the chords are the same. Okay, thank but you not so in, But not in the same spot. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it has a one and a minor, or in a, ma- a flat major three. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a flat major three. You're right, but it's in a different spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Thank you. I've been yeah. waiting for you to say that my okay. whole life, Cameron. <laughs> you... I just yeah. wish my mother would you say get, that to me. <laughs> you, you get... I'm going to transfer my uh, degree in music theory and composition to you. I've triumphed. I've yeah. de- that's you how also the- have to ha- take my remaining debt. Oh, okay. Well, it's probably worth it. <laughs> it'll, it'll pay itself back. Yeah, it, it that'll pay, be worth it. Really pay it off. <laughs> uh, does that mean you have to take on my remaining debt? <laughs> you just swap. <laughs> I'll just give you my English degree. I don't give a shit about. It. All right. Um, Rate me the song. Um, I think I think K missed the mark again. Yeah, <laughs> they well, doubled down, and I think they fucked up. Yes, this is <laughs> on the genius. It says K. Cobain wanted to make a strong statement in support of women and against violence. Um, blah 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 blah. Frustrated by the fact that many people didn't grasp how Polly was actually an anti-rape song, Cobain decided to be more explicit. And I think both of them fall pretty flat. 
I, it's so obtuse. Like, yeah. this song is not obviously an anti-rape song. It's not. And it supposedly all. has a whole narrative that is not, is not in the song. Yeah. It says, lyrically, the song concerns poetic justice. A guy rapes a girl, he ends up in jail, and is raped there, in turn. Okay, A, that's not justice. And also, B, that's not in the song. It's not in the song. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really not... Um, we get rape me rape me my friend rape me again i'm not the only one uh i'm not the only one i'm not the only one or i mean i guess you could say the refrain is like them finding out that they're not the only one who rapes people because they're getting raped themselves but like you have to be reading into it so much to bring that to it it's the narrative is really not supported by the text yeah um yeah it's like hypothetically if someone was like the best lyricist in the world. <laughs> they could mm. like somehow thread the needle of like patriarchy is a system of domination. And yeah. like, you know, this man is experiencing patriarchal domination as on both ends, you know, and mm-hmm. is putting the pieces together. It's like, maybe someone could do that, but like, but why? Yeah. You know? Right. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think they've really... Um, just read some Bell Hooks. Like, yeah. Kate Cobain, just... Dude's the book by Bell Hooks. Yeah. <laughs> the Art of Doodliness. Um, Brush Your Own Mustache by Bell Hooks. <laughs> um, oh my god. I will say that, um, I mean, we're talking so much about, like, sexuality and gender and stuff. Um, it doesn't surprise me that, like, would have um, sort of a fascination with rape or a sort of like preoccupation. I understand that it can be um, common for certain eggs to um, be able to access certain parts of themselves through fantasy or through like fixation or intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Um, And um, yeah, I mean, this is like, a very fraught topic that I need to tread very lightly on. And I've had some whiskey tonight. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll go farther than that, but to say that like, yeah, fantasy, um, and it is a way you can explore certain things in a safe way. And, um, including engaging with like hard and dangerous topics or things that you won't admit to yourself because right. you can fantasize about them being inflicted on you without you having to choose them. Right. And still be able to experience them on some level. Um, so that could be part of, like, the dynamic going on here. Um, right. But, yeah, that's that's the thing that you do with people that you trust yes. privately. Not on an album that sells four million copies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> From the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And, like, you know, he... or They, they made this song, you know, like, after... I guess, like, some rapists committed rape while listening to Polly. Mm-hmm. Like, and then they decided to double down and to make an equally obtuse song that's almost as catchy. Mm-hmm. That is is equally unclear. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. even more unclear. Yeah, I, yeah. I would argue more unclear. Yeah, more... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. More abstract. More abstract and more, like, you could use it to whatever purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's depicting a person who wants to be raped. 
I mean, at least that's what they're saying. It's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. So, like, um, on a synactics yeah. level, yeah. I, I'm interested in what their intentions were or what could be going on there, but I do think that they really fucked up. <laughs> like this, yes. this song sucks. Yeah. Uh, it is not. Yeah. Um, um, there's a, there's some quotes here. Um, oh this boy. is about yeah. Courtney Love's reaction. I think she understood. I probably explained it better to her than I've explained it to you. I also want to make a point that I was really honestly not trying to be controversial with it. That was the last thing I wanted to do. We didn't want to put it out so it would piss off the parents and get some feminists on our asses, stuff like that. I just have so much contempt for someone who would do something like that. This is my way of saying do it once. You may get away with it. Do it a hundred times, but you're going to get it in the end. Mm-hmm. So, I I think I believe Kay in this, but mm-hmm. but I think that they should be owning that this song is not clear. Yes, I think they have a really um, their relationship with what clarity is and what it looks like is pretty broken. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think that the genius kind of like subtly throws shade in that direction um, by saying things like, uh, frustrated by the fact that people didn't, you know, grasp that Polly was actually an anti-rape song, Cobain decided to be more explicit. Cobain was ultimately forced to explicate and clarify the song's significance several times <laughs> to magazine reporters and columnists, culminating in a notable 1999 co- 1993 cover story by Spin. Um, I will say, though, that um, they... Uh, Cobain and Courtney Love played a bunch of charity concerts um, raising money for rape victims. So they were at least like actively doing something that was, you know, more materially beneficial than just releasing this song and profiting off of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this kind of thing, it can go a long way in the 90s. Like, I'm even just thinking about Garth Brooks's, you know, GLAAD award. Mm, yeah, you know? totally. It's like he didn't even say anything explicitly gay. Yeah. He just said something that was technically inclusive to the gays. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know. Which is enough in 1996. Which is enough, you know? And yeah. it's like, I think it is important that Cobain was, like, out there saying stuff that I think most cis men weren't even thinking about. Yes, that's another angle on it, to be like, yeah, I I think there were, yeah, some, I guess, like, cis rock stars, like, using sexuality for shock value, but even a lot of those, not that I, like, have an encyclopedic knowledge of, like, 90s rock stars, like, yeah. I think a lot of those were, like, not casting themselves in the role of like rape victim necessarily yeah. like that's a that's a pretty um anti like that's that's um in terms of like patriarchal like power that's like casting yourself as not having like any at all which is not something that yep. cis dudes like to do very nope. often is like think about like what if i had no power in this system at all yeah yeah and if if they are like disenfranchised in some way it's because they're too powerful or too smart. And it's, mm-hmm. I always think about that song, uh, that like late stage green day song. That's like, 
I walk oh. this lonely road. Oh, yeah. Only one. I thought you were going to say, I want to be a minority. No. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting. We should maybe talk about Green Day. Oh, my God. A, yeah. Oh, I wonder if we can oh, do it. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. But that, like, my shadows. Oh, that was that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, what about your band? <laughs> They're right there. They're in the music video. Yeah, that's, from a, that's from like a punk opera. That's from American Idiot. They're, that's like a character song. Oh, really? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I was talking to Green Day's biggest fan. <laughs> I mean, that was maybe the Green Day album I listened to the most. Oh, my God. American Idiot. And I still didn't listen to it that much. So it's supposed to be ironic. I don't know about ironic, but at least it's supposed to be from a character perspective. It's supposed to like have a plot purpose, I think, or like describe the character in some way. Anyhow, we gotta talk about more songs. We gotta talk about more songs. Yeah, okay. I will say very quick that apparently um, Kate Cobain didn't necessarily write the song with this in mind, but afterwards they sort of reinterpreted their own song in terms of like, yeah, this is how the media is treating me. Um, so. Not my favorite thing they've ever done, and I, I say, you know, not not a great move, you know. Please don't. But um, let's move on to song five. Frances Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. Do you know who Frances Farmer is? Um, only from like the genius here. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anything she's been in. Me either. Yeah. So you can go. I mean, I I browsed the Wikipedia article. I it's not like I knew anything else about her other than like yeah the Wikipedia article and whatever's on the genius. Did you want it, or do you want me to? No, you should. Them? Yeah, go okay. for it. Um, Frances Farmer was an actress. Um, she was born in the 20s, or 1913. Um, she was born in Seattle, and she became like kind of famous and an actress, and she um, was involuntarily confined to psychiatric hospitals. Um, and she, I mean, she was like, there's tons of like sensation, like media sensation about her. And I think um, there's like sensationalized coverage. Um, there was a, a, a biography of her in the 70s alleging that she went underwent a lobotomy, um, wow. which I think is not true. Um, but yeah, there was a 1982 uh, biographical film about her. Um, but basically as like a figure of someone who is fixated on by the media and I'm sure in like some people's opinions, like kind of driven crazy by the media attention and the way that the media is like, this bitch is crazy. Right. And you sort of become crazy. And then you get right. stuck in a psych hospital against your will. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany. Brittany. Yeah, exactly. Brittany Spears will have her revenge on Seattle. <laughs> Camera. <laughs> um, yeah. So how does that relate to the song? Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> I yeah. This song didn't leave a huge impact on me. I think this chorus is interesting. I miss the comfort in being sad. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't know how to connect it other than that. Um, There's yeah. um, an interview that Cobain gave to uh, Melody Maker, the magazine in 1993. Um, the interviewer calls her extremely confrontational, selfish maybe, and Cobain says, that's not what I got from the books I read. Actually, I did from two of the biographies I read about her, but there was one, Shadowland, the best one, written by this PI from Seattle who researched it for years. That's the one that Wikipedia calls like mostly um, discredited, I think. Huh. Yeah. But anyway, this is the information that Kay Cobain had sure. from this discredited biography. And I didn't get that impression from that one. She was obviously a difficult person and got more and more difficult as the years went on as people started to fuck with her more and more. I mean, she was institutionalized numerous times and in the place in Washington where she ended up, the custodians had people lining, lining up all the way through the halls waiting to rape her. We should have said, we should put a trigger warning on this episode for yeah, sexual okay. assault, for sure. Um, She'd been beaten up and brutally raped for years, every day. She didn't even have clothes most of the time. Courtney, especially, could relate to Frances Farmer. I made the comparison between the two. When I was reading the book, I realized that this could very well happen to Courtney if things kept going on. There's only so much a person can take, you know? And you're definitely talking only about Courtney. Right. Or Kay Cobain. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like the like chilling realization of like, yeah. Here we are, like, people in the public eye yeah. who are getting treated this way and, like, right. lies and libel are getting printed about us and, like, these crazy rumors and they're like, it's so invasive and everyone's just saying that we're, like, these, like, crazy, like, animals, like, taking right. heroin while pregnant, like, all this shit. And he's realizing, like, oh, my God, that could end up with, like, one of us involuntarily committed right. or put into a... um conservatory ship is that what they called it for Britain? conservatorship conservatorship yeah yeah anyway I, the, oh, wow there's so much meat in this quote I've been told by doctors and psychiatrists that public humiliation is one of the most extreme and hardest things to heal yourself from um, it just goes on and on it grinds into you and it's so personal um, wow Oh my god, I, yeah, I mean, they just keep going. The Francis Farmer thing was a massive conspiracy involving the bourgeois and powerful people in Seattle, especially this one judge who still lives in Seattle to this day. He led this crusade, crusade to so humiliate her that she would go insane. In the beginning, she was hospitalized totally against her will, and she wasn't even crazy. She got picked up on a drunk driving charge and got committed. You know, it was a very scary time to be confrontational. Okay, um... So Kurt has his fan, or sorry, Kay has his fantasy of Francis Farmer having some some, some sort of like karmic yeah. comeuppance for these people. Yeah. Again, I really don't think the song, That's, like the text of the song, it's supports not in there it. for yeah. the song. No. Um, I like so, the idea. I think the the title is the best part of the song. Lyrically, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, verse two, in her false witness, hope you're still with us to see if they float or drown. Our there's that like witch thing again of like floating or drowning. Yeah. Our favorite patient, a display of patience, disease-covered Puget Sound. She'll come back as fire to burn all the liars, leave a blanket of ash on the ground. Yeah. Sure. 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 <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> Fine. Okay. 
Anyhow. Uh, dumb? Yeah, dumb. Dumb. This is smells like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's the same chord progression. Uh-huh. Not this part. The cello, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like really mm-hmm. prominent in the mix too. Yeah. They're really highlighting it. Yeah, I, I took a sample of that in the bridge. You want to play that? Sure. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but mm-hmm. it's pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, th- this feels like the most like Nirvana song. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most Nirvana-ish songs mm-hmm. on the album. Da 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 da. That kind of melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. This is what Cobain had to say about the um, song with Melody Maker in the interview with Melody Maker. That's just about people who are easily amused, people who not only aren't capable of progressing their intelligence, but are totally happy watching 10 hours of television and really enjoy it. I've met a lot of dumb people. They have a shitty job, they may be totally lonely, they don't have a girlfriend, and they don't have much of a social life, and yet for some reason, they're happy. So... All the normies. All the normies, (laughs) yeah. The people who aren't tortured by yeah. <laughs> lifelong repression yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's a little um, hateful. Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm not like them, but I can pretend. Yeah. Hmm. A uh, little, little music theory moment. Um, will you play the sample that says, I like this simple counterpoint? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Kay is singing. I think I'm dumb, fa so le so, and the harmony is in unison for those first three notes. I think I'm dumb, so it's going. I think I'm dumb, and creating a harmony with so dumb. Um, it's very simple, but I think it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> I like that moment. <laughs> I, I like um, unison harmonies that, that will split out mm, into yeah. a moan of harmony. I think uh-huh. that's a nice sound. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have to say about that one. All right. Should we talk about Very Ape? Very Ape. So what's uh, what's going on in this one? Uh, that's a great question. Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm buried up to my neck in contradictionary flies. I take pride as the king of ill literature. I'm very ape and very nice. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, this seems like it could be related to dumb, like a similar kind of sentiment. Mm -hmm. Like here's a person pretending like they aren't uh, basic. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Like, um, I'm too busy acting like I'm not naive. I've seen it all. I was here first. Mm -hmm. um, out of the ground, into the sky, out of the sky, into the dirt. Um, uh, the only part I particularly appreciated about this song is this line break. If you ever need anything, please don't. Hesitate to ask someone else first. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely little moment. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say about this song. Me too. Okay, great. Not a lot of meat on them there, but no. let's go to Milk It. Got Milk It. So this is, um, I don't know how much of a coherent statement this song is, but there's a lot of disturbing um, yeah. stuff here. Suicide is mentioned. Yes. So, trigger warning, I guess. Content warning for that. Um, yeah. And also just like the way it, it interacts with some of the imagery on the rest of the album. Um, like, uh, where'd it go? Oh, in the pre-chorus doll steak and test meat yeah considering hmm. that we had the doll inside the heart-shaped box yes and then like there was meat eating orchids in that song also right. so test meat um it opens with the first one i am my own parasite i don't need a host to live we feed off of each other we can share our endorphins yeah that's this not necessarily what parasite means but yes <laughs> i mean feeding off each other yeah that's a bit and then sharing like neurotransmitters, like it, I mean, potentially speaks to sort of like a split identity or sure, like, yeah. cause it's like, they speak of it. I am my own parasite. Right. But then they speak of each other as if they were like two, but you are your own parasite. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of like odd stuff going on with like the, um, the unstable borders of like, personhood you know yeah um i'm my own pet virus mm -hmm. i get to pet and name her her milk is my shit my shit is her milk i, I just want to say that like oh, oh you're sorry you were pot you were gesturing for me to continue and read the next two lines <laughs> you were pausing for emphasis i'm I, I, I am i am saying that they are setting up this thing where they're using the pronoun i and they're mm -hmm. using the third per the third person pronoun, her. Yes. As being the same identity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, um, yeah. In context with the first one, the first verse especially. Yeah. To be my, I am my own pet virus. 
and then I get the to virus is name her. her. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the like the um the conflation of like baseness and like grotesquerie of like the human being who's the the you know the the body that shits yeah. along with the nurturing like yeah motherhood imagery of the milk yeah um her milk is my sh- so they shit out the milk but then their shit becomes the milk for the virus yeah yeah this is very Baudelaire very it's <laughs> Baudelaire, so Baudelaire. very yeah. very ICP yeah it's very uh giant violent jisk yeah um yeah it, it's all yeah it's almost like this like transness or like this this feminine presence is like some sort of virus some sort of like it's like why are you here mm, yeah you're not supposed to be you're here, a parasite but also i want you to be here yes. and we're like we have a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. um but then I, yet again the chorus look on the bright side suicide yeah so goddamn dark yeah lost eyesight i'm on your side angel left wing right wing broken wing lack of iron and or sleeping yeah jesus <sighs> milk it milk it yeah um also i think there's maybe some stuff in here potentially about um the like stomach like digestion problems that they've had their whole life mm. and like which was again the reason they started taking heroin um oh by the way yes we can link to i've been sort of like referencing it for several weeks but um my friend kate posted her um oh yes like post about um i believe they titled it kurt cobain will have their revenge on the straits or maybe her revenge on the straits um so we'll link to that um because there's a lot of like really good stuff in there and that's where she talks about um my friend kate talks about like kate cobain starting to take heroin because of what kate actually refers to as an eating disorder because they have so much trouble with like digestion and stuff this is how queer I am. I forgot to, how to spell the word straight. <laughs> anyway, I just had to. I can't even spell straight. Straight. Uh, is it this? It is that. That doesn't look right. What's that? Is that it, is. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm. I, did, I really. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, that's definitely related to how queer you are, not how much you've had to drink today. <laughs> that's why. Uh, should we talk about penny royalty? Yes. This Speaking is of like a, an abortive facet. Mm-hmm. Is that how you want Only in that? fatal doses, from what I understand. Mm. Which adds a whole new layer. Um, yes. Penny royalty. Everyone, I have very bad posture. <laughs> I think this one is so in conversation with the last song. Hmm. Speak um, on that. Because in the last song, they had their own parasite. They had their own virus. Um, and they were like milking and feeding each other. Like there was this, it was, they were describing it in terms of like symbiotic relationship. But in this song, it's sort of like becomes a pregnancy. They are pregnant with the life that's inside of me. And 
you don't want the life that's inside of you. And, and sorry, in these terms, I don't mean to come out sounding like a pro-lifer or something, right? <laughs> um, in, in these imagistic terms. And knowing that it is a metaphor for a part of themselves that yeah. Kay um, buried and killed. Um, you don't want the life that's inside of you. And so what you do is you sit and drink Penny Royalty, which is an abortifacent, but yeah, only in fatal doses. Yeah. Hmm. Sit and drink Penny Royalty, distill the life that's inside of me, which is like, that's so interesting in context of the last song. Sit and drink Penny Royalty. I'm anemic royalty. Um, which I think is probably like a reference to um, like all the, the weird inbred families of like the European royal families yeah. and like um, how they ended up with all kinds of genetic disorders and stuff because they're inbreeding constantly. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble spawn <laughs> of the upper classes. Um, yeah. yeah. So like this almost like feeling of something having gone wrong in your genetic line. Um, like you end up as this like monster almost just somehow based on yeah. how things have shook out like genetically. Um, verse two seems like mostly a Leonard Cohen joke that I don't understand. <laughs> Give me a Leonard Cohen afterworld so I can sigh eternally. Interesting. I'm not sure. I'm going to well, click on the annotation. Yeah. There's a little quote What's here. Um, that was my therapy when I, was depressed and sick. I'd read things like Malloy Dies by Beckett. Oh, that's a cheery work. Or listen to Leonard Cohen, which would actually make it worse. You don't say. Leonard's world is dark and boozy, filled with exotic women, infidelity, and broken dreams. <laughs> Yet through it all, he carries his sense of dignity, elegance, and humor intact. Like Rainer Maria Rilke would say, it's important not to get lost in his world. But Leonard is so seductive that he takes you right in, sits you down with a glass of whatever you're having, and takes you on a tour of the dark places that is ultimately redemptive. This is a really... This is... Is this their worst quote? <laughs> I was going to say it feels very, like, um, articulate, actually. I mean, it's, it's like, has some, like, cliched imagery and stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just feel very annoyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yes. I'd prefer not to know. Yes. <laughs> the same. Although I do think the call out to writer uh, Maria Rilke is an interesting... Yeah, why? Because I've been suspecting very strongly for a while that Rilke was a big time egg. Holy and I, shit. I just keep waiting until like, <laughs> I need to, I've been wanting to go back and read Letters to a Young Poet and just like... I'm sure it's, I, I have this feeling it's going to like blow wide open like, and I'm, I'm going to be like, oh my God, yes. They're like, prove it. And it's like, you're, you're well, gay. And it's like, what? what? But I, <laughs> exactly. So one little detail from the, their biography, Rilke's, is that they were originally named Renee Maria Rilke. Hmm. And they met some Teutonic broad, some Germanite lady. Um, who convinced Rilke to change it to Ragnar because it was more masculine and more Germanic. Huh. Um, so changing your own name under the influence of a woman to try to live up to masculinity sounds a little bit eggy to me. Yeah. And then still keeping the middle name Maria. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, there, there's definitely, like, precedent for that. I mean, like... Um, What's his face? Not Camus, but the other guy. Uh, Sartre. 
Uh, no, that's Jean-Paul. This is Jean-Marie. There's a famous like Jean-Marie, right? Oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I am failing. Um, there, there's like some sort of famous person who is, um, uh, I mean, there's a number of people named Jean-Marie. There's like Jean-Marie Andre, who's a Belgian scientist. Um, it's Jean an interesting Chopin. name. Yeah, it is a very interesting name. Yes, the, like just the, um, the combination of, of, the, uh, of John, the French version of, of John, which is a biblical name, with Marie, you know, the, the French version of uh, the name for Mary, uh, the mother of God. So, anyhow. <laughs> this chair is really uh, <laughs> creaky. I don't know. Oh, how that's the chair, it. huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Should we listen to the catchiest song ever on the album? Oh. Maybe, I mean, the heart shaped box is really. Th this song is so catchy that all apologies. Oh, you're skipping to all apologies? Do you want to talk about the other ones? Um, Actually, that is a great question. It is getting pretty late. And one of them is called Tourette's, which I think is mostly just like a joke or something. Um, maybe we should talk about radio friendly. Okay, go for it. Go quick. for it. Um, there's a few interesting lines, at least. Um, there we go. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting that one of the last songs that Kate Cobain wrote, they repeated over and over, what is what I need? What is wrong with me? Yeah. What is what I need? And then they talk about their water breaking. Yes, verse two. Nothing to do with what you think. <laughs> oh. If you ever think at all. Hmm. Bipolar opposites attract. All of a sudden, my water broke. Hmm. Um... It's astonishing. Now, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, it's astonishing that anyone ever thought that Kate Cobain was a cis man. <laughs> My water broke? I yeah, mean yeah, no. <laughs> I've never heard another cis man. Um, I've never heard a cis man express themselves in any way by saying anything like any of the shit that right? Kate Cobain has said. Yeah, yeah, the fascination with like the birth imagery, the mothering, the milking the nurturing, the freaking dictionary of women's like magic symbology on the back of this album cover. Like, yeah. Scum yeah. manifestos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's, some, I, I like, there's some really good imagery in the pre-chorus. I love you for what I am not. Yeah. Which could be an interesting thing to say to like yeah. someone like Courtney Love, for instance, yeah. you know? Um, if you, uh, sorry, uh, I do not want what I've got. Yep, also like, <laughs> could be interpreted as like a gender thing. A blanket acneed with cigarette burns. Mm. Second rate, third degree burns. That's the um, second version of that pre-chorus, but oh. wow. That's, that's, those are some pretty dynamite lines there. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so that, that's most of the interesting things. And then, as far as Tourette's goes, it's, I, I don't want to listen to the, to the, um, the sound sample I like to talk about much. It's just like, it's nice that it was a song recorded in the nineties called Tourette's. That wasn't just like a joke about how someone with Tourette's just yells out the F word or says like uh, pickled penis, like just really loud or something like, which was like the, the idea of it in like popular culture at the time. 
Mm. It's like, isn't it hilarious how these people just kind of uncontrollably say socially unacceptable things and we sure. can laugh at them. They're like right. clowns. Right. We love it so much. So that's not what that song is. Right. Um, I don't know if I could really, I mean, it's mostly just Keiko Bain shouting, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All apologies. went on to dedicate, or they went on to dedicate this to Courtney Love and mm. to Frances Bean, the daughter, who may have partially been named after Frances Farmer. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. What else should I be? All apologies. That is, um, wow, that's really um, sad. Yep. What else can I say? What else could I say? Everyone is gay. Everyone is gay. First, God was gay, and God creates humans in their own image. And everyone is gay. Yeah. What else could I write? I don't have to write. What else should I be? All apologies. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and in the chorus, in the sun, in the sun, I feel as one. In the sun, in the sun, married, buried. Yeah. All in all is all we are. Um, yeah, this is kind of a beautiful note to end this career on. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still planning on listening to the MTV Unplugged, but, um, which I believe happens after this, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is a, a lovely song. Mm -hmm. Um, I love how melodic the part writing is. Mm. The like high pitched bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so good. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's more cellos. Yeah. Cello, it's a bass. Yep. Part of me feels a little bad about not talking more about um, the, uh, the the bassist and, and drummer <laughs> and drummers in this band. Right. Um, but um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure, like, Keiko Bain, like, wrote all the songs. Like, at least lyrically. Yeah. Um... I'm sh I, I think the other two are like credited with like songwriting credit because they are also like right. you know probably mostly writing their parts or they're like coming up together with them in like jams yeah. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, as far as like the artistic direction, it seems to be pretty solidly Keiko Bain. Yeah. Um, I wonder if like Dave Grawl like contributed um, like much in that sense. Um, apparently. They're singing harmony on the outro. All in all is all we are is like Keiko Ben and Dave Grohl singing together, hmm. um, at least according to the genius. Um, and I, but I don't think they've been like uh, Dave Grohl has been credited with a lot of um, vocals um, elsewhere on the album. Even like that, um, we were talking about a harmony part last week that um, I think was just K double tracked, at least in terms yeah. of credit, yeah. as far as I could tell. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there's so much, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really harsh. There's so much self-loathing and like self-blame here. I wish I was like you, easily amused. Find my nest of salt, everything's my fault. I'll take all the blame, aqua seafoam shame, 
Sunburn, freezer burn, choking on the ashes of her enemy. Yep. Yep. Again, uh, like the third person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it feels like Kay is using the third person feminine pronoun more than the I pronoun. Like, yeah, but specifically in yeah. relation to like parts of themselves that they yeah, like it certainly feels in that way. conflict with yeah but they feel in conflict with yep yeah it, it i mean the way that that's constructed rhetorically it feels like the way it's set up is the eye is her enemy yeah um which makes sense <laughs> yeah um yeah it's just it's so sad yeah Hmm. Yeah. Um, I appreciate this album, though. I think there's there's a lot to chew on here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's some, like... There's a section on Wikipedia that's called, like, Critical Reevaluation or something like that. Mm. And there's one review of the album that's really funny. Let's see if I can pull up that little quote here. Um, let's see. In a Guitar World article in 2003... Guitar World. ...for the album's 10th anniversary... Um, Cobain biographer Charles R. Cross argued that In Utero was, quote, a far better record than Nevermind, and one that only 10 years later seems to be an influential seed spreader, judging by current bands. Which is a great thing to say in 2003. <laughs> because the bands that took influence from Nirvana were looking pretty good at that point, like Puddle of Mud and yeah. Stain and Nickelback. <laughs> they looked real great. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, the con- quote continues. If it is possible for an album that sold 4 million copies to be overlooked or underappreciated, then In Utero is that lost pearl. Huh. Mm, just getting poetic there right at the end, aren't you there, Charlie? Yeah, which is a funny thing to say. Like, yeah, it sold a shitload, but it's, I mean, as an, I feel like as an album, it's definitely like more overlooked than Nevermind. I heard these singles on the radio all the time, though. I heard um, Heart Shaped Box. Yep. I heard All Apologies all the time. Um, yeah, same. I want to say I heard like Francis Farmer or like one of the other ones. I guess mostly Heart Shaped Box and All Apologies, which are yeah. the most catchy and like radio friendly probably. Same. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's, that's it. We're just going to do the one more episode. Yeah. We'll have to figure out yeah, I mean, part of me wants to, like, see if we can do, like, a almost like a um, commentary track style episode. That like, would be nice. watching it live. That yeah. would be kind of fun. That would be good. Yeah, maybe yeah. some logistical, like, issues to work out with, like, production there. But yeah. um, <laughs> I guess we could, like, have headphones on yeah. that don't allow any sound to escape and just, like, jabber on while it's playing or something. I'm not even really sure where to get it. I know that there's, like, playlists, but I don't know if it includes, like, all of the, like, interstitial stuff. Yeah, that's so, a good point. We'll I'm pretty sure I can figure out okay. a place or a way to get this. Yeah. There's some, you know, on this great just uh, map of highways that we call the World Wide Web, the information superhighway, there are many trucks that travel these highways and byways. <laughs> and sometimes stuff just kind of like falls off those trucks. <laughs> and I'm right there to snatch it up. <laughs> And then it becomes mine. And that's all I will say about that. Yahar! Great. Ahoy! <laughs> Yo-ho! <laughs> Yahar, you hearties. <laughs>
<laughs> the pirate tracks. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. Um, we'll be back next week with Nirvana MTV Plugged in New York, which is the official title of it, I guess. <laughs> um, for the television series MTV Unplugged, which came out in November of 93. Um, oh, well, it was, it was aired on MTV in December. Um, which, actually, is that after... When did Keiko Bain die? Oh, April 94. Okay. Um, anyhow, I'm getting lost in the weeds there. Until that time, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Tweet, uh, no, don't tweet us. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. That, that is officially dead. Um, go on our Discord, interact with us. The link will be in the show notes. You can also email us at email at boxset.website. You can support us in a couple different ways. Um, one of them is to spread the word about the show or write a rating or click those stars, give us a review, to, or sorry, rate with the stars, review with the words, in that order, please, um, and spread the word about the show. And you can support us even more directly by going to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. If you kick us a few bucks a month, you'll get access to all of our bonus materials, including- So much. So much, there's so much of it now. There's like hundreds of episodes of our little weekly culture club called What's in the Box Weekly. This week I went, I went like into a deep dive on two different Joanna Newsom songs. Really dug out my um, exegetical literary <laughs> analysis skills and talk about how good of a songwriter she is. Um, and I just really freaking nerded out in a really boring way. So you should pay money for that. <laughs> <laughs> and Cameron talked about... I talked about a bunch of stuff. A bunch it's of sort shit. of a grab bag. A yeah. grab bag of different TV shows. Yeah. Well... Until next week, I've been Maddie Hunt, and I'm Violet Jisk. <laughs> and I've, I'm Cameron DeWitt, and what else can I say? Everyone is gay. Every god is gay. Every god is gay. <laughs> That's my um, mnemonic for memorizing the notes on the piano. Aberdeen is gay. <laughs>